All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this following an epic win. Uh, this was this was a fantastic game for the Nuggets. Final score over the Milwaukee Bucks, 136-100. to That is correct, a 36-point win, a near-munder, uh, not quite there, but very, very close. And the Nuggets, they did whatever the hell they wanted to do against the Bucks tonight. And it was just a very, very strong performance all around. We're going to go through it all, uh, beginning with the starters, second segment with the bench. And then we got to talk about this MVP race that is shaping up to be epic. And Nikola Jokic is really establishing himself as, I think, a leading candidate in this thing. Well, let's start with the starters. Let's start with the game. Let's start with Joker, actually. We always start with Joker. He's the place to start. And when you talk about this game, this matchup against the Bucks, the first thing that everybody had on their mind was Jokic versus Giannis and how those two would approach the game, how they would play, how each player would react in different situations. And I think it's pretty clear uh, Joker got the better end of this matchup. And it wasn't necessarily because uh, of the dominant scoring. He did have 18 points on 7 of 9 shooting. He was 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. Was a perfect 5 of 5 inside the arc on shots that he attempted. But good lord can that guy pass. He uh he knows how to he knows how to thread the needle just a couple times and he was rewarded with some incredibly hot shooting by the Nuggets tonight. 15 assists for Joker and 22 or 23 made threes for the Nuggets tonight according to the box score. 23 of 43, 43 from three for the Nuggets, good for 53.5%. This was a shooting exhibition. And the Nuggets do this a lot against the Bucks, where the Bucks like to pack the paint. They like to ensure that the opposing team isn't going to get a lot of points in there. But the Nuggets, it just didn't matter because they still scored 44 points of the paint, but the main damage came from behind the arc, where Denver scored 69 points from the three-point line. It was incredible to watch them shoot tonight. We're just going to go through the percentages here real quick. Jokic went two of four. Aaron Gordon goes four of eight. Will Barton goes two of three. Monte Morris, four of five. Jamichael Green, one of two. Marcus Howard comes in for garbage time, three of three. Bones Highland, three of five. Austin Nevers, two of six. Bryn Forbes, two of three. Every single player... Uh, other than Jeff Green tonight, made at least either 50% of their threes or multiple threes. And it was an incredible shooting display. Things like this don't necessarily happen all the time, but the Nuggets, before tonight, before tonight, during their 12-game at that point, now 13-game stretch where they're 10-3, and excuse me, stuttering here, um, During that initial stretch, they had been shooting the ball really well. They were fifth in the NBA in three-point percentage, starting to find their rhythm, both the starters and the bench. And tonight, they took it up to another level. It's pretty clear that this was coming, that that a team that was going to pack the paint, like the Bucs, was very susceptible to the Nuggets and, and how they can suddenly get hot. This is a really good example of what happens when Jokic is aggressive as a scorer, but not like, not to the point that he's overshooting, not to the point that he's taking any tough shots at all, 
he took the easy shots, really punished the the Bucks inside, uh, took the in-rhythm jumpers that he had. But for the most part, he was just diming people up on the perimeter. And this is the thing about him. He has this gear where he doesn't necessarily have to be the downhill aggressive maniac like, like Giannis can be. Giannis is like a, a hammer hammering a brick wall every single time. He just goes at it. And tonight, Giannis did get his numbers. He got 29 points, 9 of 19 from the field, 10 of 15 from the three or from the free throw line. But the Bucks at halftime, they scored or they, they were 5 of 12 from the three-point line compared to Denver, who had made like 11 threes at that point. They made 12 in the second half. Denver, they attacked the Bucks in the best way that they could to generate the most efficient offense. Tonight, it was just a, a complete and utter beatdown on the offensive end, captained by Nikola Jokic. And that's what happens when you've got players around him that know their roles to the extreme, that know how to operate this offense at the best way that they can, and then capitalize on the opportunities that they have. The only guy who didn't really shoot well tonight was Jeff Green, but everybody else was fantastic. And I want to start with Aaron Gordon, who I think led the team tonight with 24 points, also contributed seven rebounds, a steal and a block, was tied for the team lead with Jokic at plus 24. Gordon has suddenly turned himself into an outside shooter, and I don't know what's going on. Like He seems like a player that in this circumstance should be attacking the rim should be putting pressure on a team like the Bucks, But tonight, Gordon was very active from a three-point shooting and from a jumper perspective. Of all of the shots that he attempted, he attempted 17 shots. By the looks of this, this uh, shot chart, only four of them were in the paint. 13 of them were perimeter shots, including four of eight from three. He took... Uh, yeah, just, just a, a lot of shots from the exterior, spacing the court for the rest of the Nuggets' actions, giving Will Barton, Monte Morris, Nikola Jokic, Jeff Green space to operate inside. Gordon was the guy that was the one who was spacing. And we've had complaints about this before, and so have like, me, me as well. Like I don't think that this is the best way that he should be uh, conducting his offensive repertoire, but who am I to judge when he's going four of eight from three, when he's shooting the ball this well, and he has been shooting well. He's just been in a very strong rhythm over the course of this past month, month and a half, and it seems like he continues to trend in the right direction. Just a perfect fit next to Nikola Jokic, next to the players that are going to be inhabiting this offense for the next half decade, whether it's Monte Morris and Will Barton right now, whether it's Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. going forward, or even if it's Bones Highland and, and players like that who also make plenty of sense within this, within this scheme, Aaron Gordon makes sense with all of them too. He's able to mold and manipulate his game to fitting the players that are around him so well that the Nuggets have not missed a beat. It's one of the reasons why he has one of the highest net ratings with everybody while he's out there. 
Jokic is the highest, but I think AG is probably the second most important player on the team. That's saying something because he's been fantastic. Other than AG, Will Barton tonight was the guy who I want to highlight. Uh, both he and Monte Morris were fantastic, don't get me wrong. And Monte, 18 points, 7 assists. But I think Will Barton, he's been maligned a lot of times for being selfish, for taking too many shots. But on a night like tonight where Denver was just cooking, he, all of his shots, except for one, except for, gosh, it was like a, it was like a pull-up jumper in transition, I'm pretty sure where he had Giannis in front of him. That was the only one that he missed. The rest of them he hit. He was in rhythm every single time. Eight or 15 points, five assists, zero turnovers. Chris Middleton only had eight shots, nine points. It just felt like the Nuggets took advantage of the Bucks on both ends of the floor. And it's so, so weird to me that this is the the position that they found themselves in. But they really did. Like they took advantage of what the Bucks were wanting to do. And you can't play that way unless Barton brings it and comes to the table and just does everything for you. And he did. Just like Monte Morris, who also operated things really well. 18 points, seven assists, one turnover plus 18, 7 of 8 from the field, 4 or 5 from 3. These are video game numbers. This is when you turn the sliders down on 2K to easy. Denver's offense tonight, especially with the starting unit, was just pristine. They committed 6 total turnovers with the starters. The bench committed 2 total turnovers. I'm just looking at this right now. Good lord. A 39 to 8 assist to turnover ratio for the team. That is insanity. Insanity. Monte Morris definitely deserves a lot of credit. He was chasing around Grayson Allen for most of the game. Grayson got free a couple times and uh, buried a couple threes here or there. But for the most part, Monte made him miss several of his attempts. uh, Put him into a position where he was the guy, uh, Grayson Allen was, where he had to make the shot. It wasn't Drew Holiday, it wasn't Giannis, it wasn't Chris Middleton, it was Grayson Allen a lot of the time. And Bobby Portis, by the way. And it just felt like Denver pushed all the right buttons. And Monte Morris, being the traditional point guard he is, he definitely deserves a lot of that credit. Jeff Green did not have a good shooting game, but he gets a pass, and here's why. You're guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo for most of the game doing everything you can to stop him, wall him up, uh, prevent him from getting easy shots. And Jeff Green committed two fouls tonight. Giannis got to the line 15 times. It could have been 20 to 30 uh, if Jeff Green had not defended him as well as he did. You see uh, Jeff Green's numbers, two points, one rebound, one of seven from the field, 0 of four from three. Not a great game from him overall to say the least, but this is why you get Jeff Green, so that he can be the guy to bear the burden of having to guard some of the more physical, uh, dynamic options in the NBA. 
LeBron James is one of them. Giannis Antetokounmpo is another. And Jeff Green's done a great job for Denver so far. And it just looks like he's found his role, he's found his rhythm for Denver in such a way that it has unlocked a lot of what the Nuggets like to do with the starters and the bench. Because it feels like Jeff has has really found his role with both of those units, which is very cool. Um, it's hard not to love what's going on right now. You're on a five-game winning streak. The starters continue to crush. Everybody's double-digit positive. Uh, Jokic and Gordon plus 24 each. Uh, even the bench, and we're going to get to them for sure. They are a big story. Even the bench is positive, but... You're in a position where the starters have developed such great rhythm when they're on the floor together that it just seems like Denver's constantly putting themselves into a position to succeed, especially on this road trip. Everybody was out here or there. You're starting Faku at times. You're starting Jamichael Green at times. You're starting Austin Rivers at times. Now you've got the group that is basically whole other than Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But this is a group that has been dominant for most of the season when they've had the opportunities, when they've been out there most of the time, that it's really nice to see them succeed and to perform as well as they have in the face of a lot of difficult questions following those injuries. This starting group is dynamic. They're doing everything well. With Aaron Gordon hitting outside shots, it just sort of opens everything up where Jokic's job is just so easy. Uh, Morris and Barton, their jobs are simplified when they don't have to create too much with Aaron Gordon's man kind of flying off of him and, and making life difficult for them consistently. It just feels like the Nuggets are hitting this rhythm, like we talked about last podcast, where right before the All-Star break, it just seems like this is a Nuggets special for them to hit their rhythm, for them to hit their stride, and look like a great, infallible team that can compete with any single team on any single night. They've hit that rhythm for sure. January has been a great month for them. They've taken advantage of the opportunity. They didn't have to. They could have fallen back to earth or they could have given up some of these games. This is a game that they definitely didn't have to try as hard as they did, but they did. And the mentality of this group to be able to approach that on a consistent basis is just very refreshing. Where it's getting back to the nuggets of old, or at least the nuggets of the last few years where they've been just a mainstay with 50-plus wins every single year. Obviously you, obviously, you don't get it last year because they only played 72 games, but they're on pace to do it. So it is really nice to see this group just take advantage of playing at a just a higher level than a team like Milwaukee. Would Denver beat Milwaukee in a playoff series? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. I, I don't know. Probably. Because it's clear that Milwaukee was not at their best tonight. But it just seems like the Nuggets have already established this excellent level to them. 
and they're about to get Jamal Murray back. And they might get Michael Porter Jr. back. And you're cooking with gas at that point, because the starters right now are just on another level. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the bench unit, and a unit that I think has really, really established something of late. But first, as you know, DraftKings Sportsbook is the official partner of this podcast. Uh, They've done a great job with us, and in return, we're going to do a great job for them. I wasn't able to watch the two games today between the Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and then the LA Rams and the St. Louis, not St. Louis, and the San Francisco 49ers. But I do know that with DraftKings, they're going to be doing a big Super Bowl promotion. I have to imagine that they're going to be doing 56 to 1 odds on the winner of the Super Bowl, where new users can bet just $5 and they will get $280 in free bets if the team that is chosen wins. You know, 56 times 5, 280, you get the math. DraftKings, they take care of their customers. They know what they're doing. They obviously want to get you guys a good payout. They want to make sure the new users are rewarded for signing up. But if you're not a new user, you can still experience the conference championships well with new same-game parlays where you combine new bets, multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. And with the Super Bowl coming up, I'm sure that everybody's going to want to get in on that action. Uh, You know me, I'm going to be betting on Joe Burrow. I think that's a really, really great bet. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS where you get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. That's promo code MHS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for turning in. Uh, If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Okay. Let us discuss this bench unit and what they have done in this game, but also in some of the previous games where they've been able to really take advantage of some good matchups for themselves. And I think this was a good matchup for them. It wasn't perfect where you get... Players like Giannis who are rotating in with the bench. Uh, You've got a lot of very talented shooters on the opposing team that just didn't shoot the ball well tonight. But it did seem like Denver has found a pretty good rhythm. Based off of four key guys, and then Jermichael Green also played pretty well, but I'm I'm not going to list him as a key guy with the bench unit because only played 13 minutes. He He was good in his minutes. But I do think that the the four key guys right now, Bones Highland at point guard, Bryn Forbes at shooting guard, Austin Rivers at small forward, and Zeke Najee at power forward. Those four guys have enough shooting, enough defense, and enough versatility 
that they can be pretty good against most anybody. Bones has been running traditional point guard lately, and obviously you're going to you're going to run through some speed bumps. You're going to put yourself into a position at times where going up against the wrong person, it might not be successful. I was not looking forward to today and having to talk about Bones Highland going up against Drew Holiday. I thought that Drew would be a little bit more intent on getting into his dribble, on trying to take advantage of him on the other end, on doing everything that he could against Bones to make his life a living hell. But he didn't, and he didn't really match up that much with him. I assumed that he would, but their matchups didn't really um, overlap that much, which was great for Denver because Bones had a great game. Bones was very, very good on both ends of the floor, frankly. Uh, 13 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 1 turnover. And his 1 turnover was going against Drew Holiday. I remember it very vividly. Bones is always going to have a lot of pressure on him in these situations where you don't have a, a major ball handler next to him. You've got Bryn Forbes, you've got Austin Rivers, you've got Jamichael Green, you've got Zeke Naji. Bones is the primary ball handler in that case, and he's going to be pounding the rock a lot. He's got to, he's got to make the right decision. He's got to do everything they can to make the right play. And my impression of him is that he's more ready for that task than we initially thought. I thought that there would be a little bit more of a uh, breakdown. I thought that he would sometimes struggle with getting them into their sets, getting the Nuggets into the right rhythm. But it certainly feels like he ha- he understands that inane ability to speed the team up or slow the team down when they need to go. Sometimes he'll get the ball in transition. And he'll go right to the rack. He'll try to push the tempo, push the pace. And then there are also times, especially tonight, where he slowed the team down. He wanted to get them into a set. He had Bryn Forbes running off of um, running off of a screen. He wanted to set up Zeke Naji in the pick and roll or Jamichael Green in the pick and roll. He wanted to get the ball to Austin Rivers so he could isolate. Everybody touched the ball when. Bones Highland was out there. And I think one of the big fears that you would have with Bones running point guard is the idea that he might sometimes overdo the self-created shots. Well, he took nine shots tonight, two free throws. Did he take more shots than everybody? No. Bryn Forbes actually took more than him. I think Bryn Forbes had one in garbage time that, that Bones did not. But it still certainly feels... Like Bones is getting out of his own way. He's not necessarily shooting the ball all the time. He's not necessarily like he's playing true to himself, but he's push- putting the pressure on the defense and then creating opportunities for his teammates by doing so. And he has the vision and the ability to execute the passes in a way that I don't think people necessarily appreciated when we were talking about whether he could play the point guard position or not. I was surprised when Popeye Jones kind of labeled him as more of a 
Jordan Clarkson type. I can see it. I can understand why he'd say that. I can understand why they'd want Bones more focusing on the shooting aspect of things, simplifying the game a little bit, knowing that that's his role. I just don't think it's correct. I honestly believe that I I don't know if there's a, a really great comparison for him right now in the NBA, but I think he's more of a playmaker for others than he's given credit for. He sees the court well. He makes the passes well. He executes the sets. He gets the ball out of his hands when he needs to. And sometimes he'll take the shot. Sometimes when he's staring down Giannis in an isolation, he'll shoot over him. He'll do the thing that that you want him to do if you're hoping to see some of the bones show. But I do think that he's balanced that out with a really healthy point guard play, which is what the team needed. They needed somebody who, like Faku Campazzo, could run the team, could put them into the right sets. But unlike Faku Campazzo, could also space the team out, could space the defense out, put pressure on the opposing defense in ways that Faku just really can't. Bones right now is playing with a lot of confidence. He's playing with a lot of passion. And he's executing at a very high level. I was not expecting that this early, but the fact that he is, I think it elevates the team to a new tier. I think it puts them into a position where you can stop thinking about the bench as a complete negative, start thinking about them as more of a neutral, and then hope that the starters can carry the day most nights, which frankly, most nights they can. That's why the Denver Nuggets have been so freaking good. It's been fantastic. Bones playing point guard has also really put the other guys into good, healthy positions. I do think that Bryn Forbes definitely don't want to play him with a three-guard lineup. But if you're playing three guards, you don't want Bryn guarding the three. You don't want Bones guarding the three. You want them guarding ones and twos because that's the size that they are. So Austin Rivers is having to do it. And it's tough sometimes. Like Austin Rivers is going to be put on Chris Middleton at times. Or a Jimmy Butler type, or somebody like that who's staggering with the second unit that's just really, really good and much bigger than you. But I do think that Rivers is more capable of dealing with that than some of the other guys. And so putting him with that second unit, putting him into positions where he is capable as a defender, but also capable as an isolation scorer and shooter and doing the things that the bench needs that give them a little bit of extra pop. This is a good role for Rivers. Denver struggled to find a good role for him for a long time. But it does seem like Rivers is sort of finding that niche where he's the replacement for Barton when he goes out or Jeff Green where you slide Aaron Gordon to the four. But if not, then you can absolutely play Rivers with the second unit as long as he's not playing with Faku, as long as he's not playing with Faku and Bones. There are some other logistical things that come with that. There are some other reasons why I don't think you can play those guys together. Stuff that's pertaining to Rivers and stuff that's pertaining to Faku. But I do think that Rivers has really proven himself over these last couple of days. Uh, not just a couple of days. Like, like, frankly, the entire month of January, he's been much better. He just knows what he's doing and you know what you're getting from him. 
That's just so positive. That is such a great thing for a Nuggets team that has absolutely needed that rhythm. So it looks like they found it with him. Forbes also looks like he's finding a rhythm. This is another double-digit game for him. I think he's had three in a row now, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that, but 14 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 1 assist, and you're not going to get much else. And that's okay, because his role is to shoot, his role is to score, and he's putting a lot of pressure on the defense that way. He's dragging a lot of attention away from the others, which means that guys like Bones and Rivers and Zeke and tonight Jermichael Green could really take advantage of that. Speaking of Zeke, continues to play well. Six points, five rebounds, one steal, two offensive rebounds. Only took two shots, but went to the line four times. Very, very good. Didn't take a three tonight. Uh, he was in a situation where the Bucks were playing a lot of guards. I guess the, the high minute guys for the Bucks tonight, other than their starters, were Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Conton, Wes Matthews, and Jordan Nora. Those guys are all 6'5 or under. So Zeke had to go chase around a guard, a wing. And he did well, clearly. The bench excelled for most of the time, and sometimes Zeke got switched on to Giannis, and sometimes he fouled him. But he gave up a good fight. He absolutely did a good job. And this is the kind of role player performance you're hoping for some, with somebody like that. So good on Zeke for taking advantage. Good on Jermichael Green for taking advantage of the opportunity tonight. Uh, 13 points for Jermichael Green, or 13 minutes, excuse me. Nine points, five rebounds, one assist, four of six from the field, one of two from three. And here's kind of what I think about this. DeMarcus Cousins was out tonight with a right foot sprain. He's probably going to be dealing with some injury management. He was dealing with a calf issue. Now he's dealing with a foot sprain issue, playing a lot of minutes in a short amount of time. So Denver's going to have to keep Jermichael Green, Zeke Naji. Uh, if they ever get anybody else, then they might need to keep those guys active as well. I think that DeMarcus is going to be back in the rotation when he gets healthy. But I also think that Jermichael Green is going to need to stay ready because DeMarcus Cousins gets technicals, has some injury issues, not necessarily the right mobility for certain matchups. You're going to need Jermichael Green at various points. You might need Zeke Nagy to slide to center at various points. So I hope the Nuggets are ready for that. I hope they can put themselves into a position where they can counteract some of those things. If Michael Porter ever comes back, I think you might see a Michael Porter at the four, Zeke Nagy at the five lineup at times. That really spaces the defense out a ton. Now we're going to see. We're going to see about that. But either way, Jermichael Green tonight plays really well. Did foul Giannis a few times there, but who didn't? I do think that Jermichael Green, he's put himself into a position where he can be successful on a consistent basis now. Uh, Bones makes sense with him, at least a little bit more than Faku does. I really do believe that based off of the spacing factor, based off of the more pick and roll aspect of this where you got to shoot off the dribble, and Bones does that to a T. 
but we're, we're going to see. We're going to have to see how they handle it. We're going to have to see how the, the bench continues to respond to different and new situations. This next game that they are going to play against the Minnesota Timberwolves, the T-Wolves are good. They just beat the Jazz, although the Jazz had some injuries, uh, including the Joe Ingles, which probably is very serious. But the T-Wolves are a good team. They know what they're doing, and the Nuggets know that they're good. Uh, they throttled the Nuggets a few weeks ago. So I hope Denver's ready for that. I hope that they approach that with the right uh, tenor, the right aggressiveness, and hope that Denver's new look bench unit can really hold up in those situations because it would be nice if Denver's bench could really put the pressure on a team like the T-Wolves where their starting unit is really good too means that Denver starting unit may not be as much of an advantage in that next game. So we're just going to have to see. But for now, let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this MVP race because it's really shaping up into something here. We'll be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in what a win what a win over this past one 36 points that is a fantastic margin over the defending nba champions like like malone called Giannis, drew holiday chris middleton probably the best big three in the nba is what he said best big three in basketball i don't necessarily disagree with that either i, I don't think that we saw their best effort tonight i think that they Probably thought that Denver would be a little bit of an easier task than advertised. But Jokic was in his bag. Uh, Aaron Gordon was hitting shots that they're willing to let him shoot. And he was just taking them and they're probably backbreakers. And then Monte Morris, Will Barton, and the bench. Everybody seemed to be making shots. It had to be debilitating for that team. So I don't think that in a series, I think it would be a lot closer than what we saw in this particular game, but it was very interesting to see for sure. But I do want to break down the MVP race because I think we're now in a situation where the Nuggets have won enough games. They're now fifth in the Western Conference. They have a chance to get to fourth by the time this road trip ends. If they win against the T-Wolves and then they win against the Jazz on that back-to-back, then they'll be in fourth. I don't want to speak too soon on that because they've they've lost some of these games before. But if they were to win both of those, because the Jazz don't play between now and that game, which insane, by the way, Denver's now going to be on the second night of a back-to-back where the Jazz have a whole bunch of rest for now the third game in four. It's incredible. Um, Yeah, Denver's in a tough position from a scheduling standpoint, but they're playing super well right now. So you never know. You can give them a chance against anybody right about now. Um, But they've put themselves into such a winning position because winning was really what was counting Jokic out in the MVP race. 
they've put themselves into a position where Denver's winning percentage is now good enough to really start justifying MVP buzz for Nikola. Where he was playing really well last year, doing everything that he could. Uh, The team was winning. They won without Murray. They're playing with Porter, of course, but they won without Murray, which was the big deal. And they earned a third seed. The winning was like they, they had won two fewer games than the Sixers, who were the first seed in the Western or in the Eastern Conference. And Joel Embiid hadn't played enough games to really match what Joker had done with his actual numbers. It was not close last year, though it could have been closer. And what we're seeing this year is Joel Embiid starting his his real campaign earlier. And as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be at the tippy top of it. He and the Sixers are second in the Eastern Conference right now to only the Miami Heat. Actually, no, they're third, excuse me. Uh, the Miami Heat, 32 and 18. Chicago Bulls, 31 and 18. The Sixers are 30 and 19, so they are third. Uh, the Bucks are now fifth, by the way. They've also dealt with some injury issues, to be clear, but they're just kind of meandering right now. The Bucks are 5 and 5, and Giannis would be one of those other guys that you could really point to as a true MVP candidate. I thought that it was pretty clear that Jokic was the best player on the court today. Giannis does a whole bunch of other stuff and is powerful, is physical, is very helpful. But he also was part of a team that gave up 136 to the Nuggets without Murray and Porter. Where Jokic made all that happen. So I wonder if this kind of counts against Giannis a lot. Uh, Steph has been playing a little bit better of lately after what was a bad slump. He just had a recently bad game um, on Saturday night against the Brooklyn Nets, but they they finished that game really well. And then like he made a game-winning shot against the Detroit Pistons a few games earlier. So he has enough moments and has enough momentum that I think it's possible that given their record, they're the second best team in the NBA right now to the Phoenix Suns, that Golden State's success could really help pro- like just prove or push forward at least that Steph is the biggest candidate to win. He also has the best plus minus in the league, uh, but Jokic is closing that gap too. Uh, Steph's plus minus is in the 400s. Rudy Gobert is second at 344. Jokic is third, I think, at 333 or somewhere close to that. There is a lot of data that if you just look at the numbers, Jokic is the guy you're going to always come back to because of the efficiency that he plays with, the volume that he has, the effect that he has on the game for his team, and the effect of what happens when he isn't on the floor. All of those things in combination are always going to put Jokic into a position where he has credit in these conversations. Nobody's ever going to not include him. But they're always going to try to find ways to include other people, whether it's Kevin Durant or LeBron James or DeMar DeRozan 
John Morant. I think those four guys are in the five to eight range in the MVP race, in my opinion. Where Katie is clearly fantastic. He did just get injured. He's going to miss a lot of time. We're going to see what happens when he comes back or if he comes back within time to really put a push. LeBron James, he's been in and out with injury. Second in the NBA in scoring, or or maybe third now. But he's also one of those guys that the wins, he just doesn't have enough. Doesn't have enough to really compare. And at one point, Denver was a little bit closer in the standings to a team like the Lakers. But the Lakers now are 24 and 27. The Nuggets are 28 and 21. They have a six-game lead in the loss column. So if you're going to talk about putting up numbers, Jokic puts up better ones and his team wins more than LeBron. LeBron is not a serious candidate anymore. DeMar DeRozan is probably the leading man on the second best team in the East right now. Although the East continues to change. You have six teams that have between 29 and 32 wins right now. And Charlotte has 28. They're seventh. So there's a lot of maneuvering for those top spots. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat are currently in the top spot at 32 and 18. But Jimmy hasn't played enough games and probably won't ever. Unless he plays every single game from here on out and then just dominates statistically. I still don't think I would consider him in this race, though. Now, Ja is an interesting one. He's the only all-star on a team in Memphis that has vastly outperformed expectations, that is just dominant statistically in a lot of different ways. They have the third best record in the NBA, and Ja is their only all-star. So, like with Golden State, you could at least point to Draymond Green and his impact, or Andrew Wiggins' all-star starter and his impact. With Phoenix, their impact with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, is just like completely down the middle. It's bisected. They take equal amounts of credit for how good the Suns have been. Not to mention that they have the best 3 through 12 rotation in the NBA. Like I really do believe that aspect of this. Outside of maybe Memphis. Memphis is a good shout there. Um, But it does seem like they don't really have a candidate either. So... Jaw is fantastic. He's he's been great, but that team winning as many games as they did without him, I think, is what separates him from the top four teams in the race. If the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Warriors had to go without Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, and Steph respectively, then I think we would be. Uh, we would be seeing a vastly different standings if that happened, if they missed significant time. So I think that those are going to be the top four right now. Those would be my top four. And I think if I had to rank it, it would be Jokic at one, Giannis at two, or Embiid at two. I think I'm going to go Embiid at two, Giannis at three, and Steph at four, which is insane. That is an insane thing to to say, to talk about. But here we are. 
the same four or the same top four from last year, just a slightly different order. But Jokic is still a tier above, in my opinion. Because the impact of what he has at the volume of what he does is just irreplaceable. At least with Steph and with the Warriors, you could say that they have two other all-stars right now. With Embiid, that's a tough one. He is the only guy right now. They are missing Ben Simmons. But Denver's missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Like I think I'd I think I'd definitely say that those two guys, MPJ and Jamal Murray, probably have more of an impact than Ben Simmons does on the Sixers. It's my personal opinion. And then Giannis, he at least is bolstered by having Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday next to him. You don't want to take away from somebody just because their supporting cast is really good or really bad. It just has to be the impact of what they do. But I do think the context here is really important. That what Jokic is consistently doing right now is unparalleled. Uh, He's doing that much for this good of a team in Denver, where they're now just climbing the standings, winning 10 of their last 13, and proving to the rest of the NBA that when they get back their full cast of characters, that they're going to be a problem in the postseason. It comes down to having the best player. And they've got a case for it. He may or may not be. I think he is. But he's winning over enough people right now that I think you can genuinely say that he has a real chance for the MVP again. And what a way it would be for him to get it through this season without the help of his second and third best guy to be able to take this group and the roster that Michael Malone, Tim Connolly, Jokic. Those three guys have been able to really combine together on this to help put something really, really special together. It's been very, very impressive. Everybody involved deserves a lot of credit for staying the course, for making the right decisions, and putting the team in the best position to succeed. But the only way it happens is if Yoke does his thing, as if he's just dynamic for this entire time. And he's proven it time and time again that he can be counted upon. That's really, really special. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, probably going to have a conversation, sit down with somebody, talk nuggets, maybe talk uh, T-Wolves. Maybe T-Wolves and, and the Jazz ahead of that doubleheader. We're going to have to see. We're gonna, maybe, maybe we'll talk about the uh, the juxtaposition between where the Nuggets are and where the T-Wolves are now. Thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.